Two weeks ago, I shared about a situation that one of our overseas members in the Middle East brought to our attention. Uh, she'd got involved with a safe house where there were over 20 women from a poorer nation that had been lured there under false pretenses and subjected to terrible abuse. They have um, no embassy in that country to appeal to, but they'd managed to escape and found refuge in this safe house. It's being provided by a believer who has been getting them treatment from doctors and the necessary uh, documentation since many had their passports taken from them. All that was needed was the finance to purchase flights to get them back home to their families. So we were asked whether we might help these women. I gave an appeal two weeks ago and since then our church has now given over $20,000. That is amazing. Uh, and it will buy flights for all of those uh, women and others who have since found refuge there. In fact, I just heard another 12 arrive this week as others have left. Uh, here's a photo of some of the women getting their flights home just a few days ago. All the ones I spoke of should be able to get home this week. So just a huge thank you uh, to you all again for your amazing generosity. Uh, a really cool story is that our friend who's now involved with this safe house, when she found out how much we had given, she was able to tell the women about it. But first of all, she told them a story from the Gospels of how Jesus had fed 5,000 people and how God provides for our needs. And these women have varying backgrounds. Some might have a Christian belief, but many others are from a Muslim background. So our friend was able to share the gospel story with them and then tell them how God had prompted his people to meet their needs. And we can only imagine the effect that that must have had on those women. You know, I think there was a lot of tears and rejoicing and they all wrote uh, thank you cards. Uh, but, you know, what an incredible witness. Now, just to be clear, that's not why we responded to this need. It's not why we gave all this money, right? We would have shown mercy to these women and sought justice on their behalf, regardless of whether they would ever know who it was who helped them uh, or would hear anything about the Jesus in whose name we did this. Our response was the appropriate Christian response to that situation. It was unconditional, no strings attached. However, it was also entirely appropriate that our friends took the opportunity to tell them about the Jesus who was provided for them. And so in this message, I just want to talk a little bit about why that is. I think it's important that we understand the relationship between mission and mercy, word and deed, evangelism and good works. Like, should one be prioritized over the other? Are our souls more important than our bodies? Can you have smoke without fire? And at the end, I'll show you a short video clip from Nepal to illustrate the point. You know, when you look at the church's view on this, uh, historically and across the denominations, you find there is a wide spectrum of beliefs and practices. Some, for example, have made social justice issues and care for the poor the main ministry of the church and might be accused by others of losing their biblical mooring. Those on the other side might view any kind of social concern as being the domain of the government and think the church should just be getting on with its job of saving souls. And there are many somewhere in the middle who might endorse mercy ministries but would see them as a, a means to an end. 
You know, it's part of our evangelistic strategy to lead people to Christ. But is that legit? I want to suggest to you that all those views are unbiblical or less than biblical. I want to suggest that mission and mercy, word and deed, are inseparable. You know, they go together. They are interdependent. Uh, and that to ask which one is more important than the other is actually the wrong question. Because it's like asking which wing on the airplane is more important, right? Which one do we need most? We need both. An aircraft is not designed to fly with just one wing. I heard someone say this, it's like um, asking which command is more important, repent or be baptized? Now, I'm sure there'll be some of you who'll be thinking, well, surely it's more important to repent because that's what saves us. Surely if we don't get baptized, we'd still be saved. Um, so theoretically, we only need the one wing. But you see, it's asking the wrong question, isn't it? Because the Bible doesn't say repent and if you want, be baptized, does it? It says repent and be baptized. They go together. They're not meant to be separated or questioned, right? That is creating an unbiblical distinction. Can you see? So in the same way, word and deed go together. And of course, we see that supremely in the life of Jesus. Uh, Peter talks about it in Acts chapter 10, where he says this. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Right? Jesus came preaching the good news of the gospel and went around doing good deeds, which included healing people's bodies. It was word and deed. And in the book of Acts, we also see the church doing the same thing. In Acts 2, when Peter preached his first sermon and shared the gospel with the crowd, 3,000 people responded and they were saved and added to the church. But their response to the gospel changed how they lived their lives. Because it goes on to say in Acts 2.45 that they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They weren't doing that before. But having responded to the preaching of the gospel, it led them to take care of the poor. So in Acts 2, it's word and deed. In Acts 3, it's deed and word. Because Peter sees a man begging, a man who couldn't walk, who depended on the charity of others. And when he asked Peter for some money, Peter did more than that. He healed him. And this man is so happy, jumping around, praising God, that people who knew his situation wanted to know, how did this happen? And so Peter took the opportunity to preach the gospel to the crowd. You see, it's word and deed. Deed and word, they go together, right? They are the two wings on the plane of God's mission. And it's why we shouldn't say that one is more important than the other, because we create a false dichotomy. Showing mercy to people and acting justly is not just a means to, to an end, it's what God commands. And it's the outworking of the gospel in our lives. You know, when Peter saw that crippled man asking him for money, I don't think he was thinking to himself, oh, well, this could be a good opportunity to gather a crowd and preach the gospel. I don't think he had an ulterior motive when he healed the man. 
right? He didn't see the good deed as a means to an end. I think he just had compassion for this man and he acted to relieve his suffering. Don't you think? I mean, if your neighbor comes knocking on your door, asking you for help because she's been beaten up by her husband, I doubt that you'll be thinking, oh, this could be an opportunity to share the gospel. Neither would you turn her away if you thought she wasn't interested in hearing about Jesus. Am I right? I hope I am. Now, I know that some of you no doubt will be thinking, okay, I get that, but surely preaching the gospel to see people saved must be more important than just seeking to relieve their suffering. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't seek to help people in need, but just theologically, surely people's eternal salvation, their eternal destiny is more important than their temporary physical needs here and now, right? But again, we're creating a false dichotomy. It's what we call dualism, where we say people's souls are more important or, or separate from their bodies. But that's just not biblical. Now, I'll come back to why preaching the gospel is hugely important, right, in a moment. Uh, but I just want us to understand first why we need both of these wings. You see, our goal is not just to get individuals to heaven, it's to see heaven come to earth, because that's where all of history is heading. Right? It's what we see at the end of the Bible when God's kingdom will come in all of its fullness to bring renewal to all things, including our physical bodies. Of course, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth there was no suffering. There was no poverty or injustice, no disease or death. Uh, there was harmony. There was peace. There was well-being. Under God's perfect and loving rule, there was what the Bible calls shalom. But it was our sin, our rebellion against God, it was our desire to live for ourselves and to rule ourselves that disrupted the shalom of God. And so instead of blessing, all of creation began to experience the curse of sin which resulted in death and decay. And it's affected every dimension of life, physically, psychologically, spiritually, socially, you know, we experience alienation, suffering, brokenness and so on. But when Jesus came, he announced the kingdom of God was at hand. In other words, God's rule on earth was being restored through him. And we can read in the Gospels how God's power was present in Jesus to deliver people from the curse of sin. That's why he healed the sick, set people free from demonic oppression, stilled storms, fed the hungry, raised the dead. These were signs of the kingdom. And Jesus made it possible for all of us to enter into the blessing of his kingdom when he died in our place on the cross. That's where he reversed the curse, taking all of the sin of mankind upon himself. And when he rose from the dead, his resurrection was like the first fruits. It was the promise of his future kingdom when one day all things will be restored as they're brought back under Christ's rule and authority. And so all of creation will be liberated from death and decay, from poverty and sickness, from suffering and injustice. But until that day comes, that day when Christ returns and the kingdom of heaven will be present in all of its fullness, until that day comes, we are called to seek his kingdom, to pray for his kingdom, to be witnesses to his kingdom and to spread his kingdom, which means more than just winning souls to Christ. 
right? It means more than just being concerned for people's spiritual well-being. It's also working for the physical and psychological and social well-being of people, as well as families and communities, right? It's working to relieve suffering and remove injustice, because in God's kingdom, all things will come under the Lordship of Christ. All things are being redeemed by him, and that means all of life and creation, both the material and the immaterial, both our spirits and our bodies. So, if we are going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, as Jesus did, then it means ministering to the whole person in both word and deed. Right? We should be motivated to do both out of love for the person. And that sometimes might mean meeting people's physical needs, you know, showing them mercy and compassion. Sometimes it means sharing the good news of Jesus with them as God gives us opportunity. Often it will be both, as our friend in the safe house has demonstrated. As Tim Keller says, it's like smoke and fire. Where one is, the other will be nearby. But what we cannot say is that one exists without the other or that good deeds is just a means to an end because that is a false dichotomy. It's dualism and it's unbiblical. However, the preaching of the gospel is hugely important. Why? Because if all we're doing is ministering to people's felt needs, then we are just addressing the symptoms of mankind's problem. We're not dealing with the root issue. And it's only the gospel that can get to the root of the problem. Tim Keller makes that point in his book, um, Ministries of Mercy. He says, our social problems all stem from sin. Those on the left will blame them on injustice. Greed, racism, imperialism, war, oppression. Those on the right will blame them on family breakdown, crime, personal immorality, selfishness, and a lack of discipline. Both are right. Our social problems are myriad. Loneliness, interpersonal conflicts, marital and family problems, poverty, class struggle, constant political confrontation, and ineffectiveness. All are the result of sin. And it's only the gospel that has the power to deliver us from our bondage to sin. It's only by repenting and believing in the good news of the gospel that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again to give us new life. It's only by believing that that we enter into God's kingdom. That's when we come under the Lordship of Christ and we begin to experience his power that heals us from the curse of sin. So, when we see people suffering or in need, Christ's love compels us to show mercy and seek justice. And as we do, we are bringing the blessing of his kingdom to them. But we need to understand that many may continue, continue to experience the symptoms of sin until they come under the lordship of Jesus and are delivered from the curse of sin. And while I know that we may all continue to experience some of the effects of its curse until that day when Christ returns, Right, it's the promise of that day that gives us hope. So do you have that hope? If you do, can I encourage you to be actively praying for opportunities to share your hope with others? Because our lives are just a breath. No one knows how long they will live. We may help to relieve someone's suffering now, 
But if we never tell them about Jesus and they suddenly die without knowing him, what will that mean for them for all eternity? I loved the comment that Penn Gillette famously made. Uh, you know Penn Gillette, the magician from Penn and Teller. Uh, he's a self-declared atheist, uh, but he said this. He said, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much, he says, do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He says, I mean, if I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I tackle you. And this, he says, is more important than that. Wow. But he's right, isn't he? It's what motivated one of our members, uh, Marion Norona, to share the gospel with some families in Western Nepal. It was over 20 years ago that Marion heard about the plights of a, a number of Nepalis who were being kept in bonded servitude, a form of slavery where they could never repay their debts. And when he heard about this injustice, Marion felt compelled to do something about it. And that was when he paid off the debts of his first few families there. He redeemed them from their slavery. And then he set about getting land for them to farm on, uh, building villages and schools for their families. I mean, it's just an amazing work and such a, a beautiful demonstration of God's kingdom. But Marion cared more for them than just providing for their physical and material well-being. He took the opportunity to tell them about the greatest redeemer of all, how Jesus had come to redeem us from our slavery to sin and death. And today, not only did Marion's work help to pave the way for slavery to be outlawed in that country, but there are also many former slaves and their families who have come to faith and churches that have been established there where they are now preaching the good news of the gospel and sharing their hope with others. You see, it's word and deed. Deed and word, two wings on the plane of God's mission, they go together, right? So let's all be praying for opportunities to proclaim and to demonstrate the gospel of God's kingdom as we approach Easter this year, right? Let's celebrate the good news of all that Christ has done for us, but let's not keep it to ourselves. Amen. God bless you this week.